WNBC. WNBC. Back with Fuck another. We're doing live. <laughs> right. We're doing live. Back here at 1031 Jams with the loose cannon of comedy. Jeff Lampton. Jeff fucking Lampton. Are we going? We're going. Oh, <laughs> All right. That was the most embarrassing, <laughs> shitty, dumb intro we've ever done for this, but we're going. I was just picturing you like doing the radio morning zoo tour and shit as a comedian. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see where. <laughs> so am I supposed to? Well, then maybe we should have done this at like six in the morning. Eh, it doesn't matter. We'll release it at six in the morning. All right. People get the experience. All right. All right. This is another episode of Hard Out, my favorite movie, and we are here with none other than the aforementioned Jeff Lampton to talk about his all-time favorite flick, which is... Uh, Today we'll be talking about The Dirt. I do want to preface that with you sent me a message saying... I know. You got got like five seconds to tell me your favorite movie or (laughs) or you're out of my life. So I just rattled off all my favorite movies and you said, nope, Goodfellas can't no good on that one and i know you guys are already talking about goodwill hunting before so uh we haven't but we we well, do have here's the thing no one else is gonna pick the dirt yeah Th- that's what i figured that's what i figured so and i forgot to put leaving las vegas on that list oh, oh shit. yeah with that and space wells what you're doing there is pretty appropriate leaving las vegas man just drinking yourself to death in a tub and fucking where where are you right now on the road somewhere i'm in uh horse cave kentucky <laughs> Horse Cave, Kentucky. <laughs> right. Cave, cave, yeah. Horse Cave? cave? Oh, even yeah. better. Some Carmen Actually, McCarthy a shit. Really cool little town. I was hanging out uh, at the kangaroo zoo yesterday, feeding and petting all the kangaroos and emus, and it's a really cool little town, actually. So, what are you doing? Is this like a day job thing you're there for? Because you haven't been doing comedy lately, or what the fuck? Or you going just on? go for the kangaroos? Yeah, I just ended up here by chance this weekend. Um, I was going to move down here this winter, but it didn't work out. And just by chance, I ended up here for the weekend. So it was fate. Fate said, you're going to be in Horse Cave, Kentucky for New Year's. So That sounds like a Tom Waits song or some shit. Like, that's that is creepy the way it is. And you know how I'm always looking for shit with my son's name on it. Yeah. For years, I was looking in gas stations and shit, never find anything. And then all of a sudden, the universe puts me in Horse Cave, Kentucky on New Year's where I wanted to be in August. And at the uh, Kangaroo Zoo, I found shit with uh, my son's name on it. Crazy. Yeah, but they didn't have the shit. They just had the slot with his names on it. But that was the first fucking time in years that I found anything in a store, a truck stop or anything that had a slot for his name crazy kismet what is what has been going on with you guys dude we just been finishing up this cactus jack movie which by the way if you stick around after this episode a trailer will run and if you go to cactusjackfilm.com you can get information on the film trailer fucking ticket shit pre-ordered all that bullshit is that the trailer you already released or yeah, that's the trailer yeah. we released. Um, so when is this movie coming out? January 20th is a virtual premiere. So inauguration night. <laughs> if you don't want to watch this political bullshit, check out our virtual premiere. You can watch the film. It's streaming for 24 hours. It's followed by a Q&A with ourselves, Michael Gall, who I, I we know definitely, you through. 
tune in, but I, I'm gonna, if I'm available, I want to try watching that Trump virtual reality because I think that might be some of the best laughs that this country has had in years. I know. I'm thinking maybe doing this inauguration night wasn't the best idea. Trump's gonna fucking steal our ratings like he does to everyone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then the 22nd, the film actually comes out. You could download it, or whatever. But if you download it right now, it's on pre-order. Get it for five bucks instead of eight. Oh, sweet. So, well, I'm gonna wait to get it for the eight so you guys get the full money because you spent so yeah. much fucking time <laughs> and effort into this. Well, you're in it. Um, yeah. The bigger role you had. Unfortunately, we had to tear some Malik out, but you're in it for at least a second or two. I think I, what you sent me a rough cop was only like 20, 30 seconds anyway. Yeah, I don't think that's in it anymore. It's probably for the best. You, <laughs> the less of my ugly ass in anything, no matter what it happens to be, the better for everybody involved. So. Disagree. So this episode's <laughs> going to be the shit as we talk about the Motley Crue film, The Dirt, with... The biggest Molly Crew fan I ever fucking met. I don't know anyone else who likes Molly Crew as much as you. I remember we did an episode of the Holy Clowns podcast with it was me and Michael Gall. We had you on, and he basically sabotaged you and ambushed you to give you shit about Crew the whole time. But I don't begrudge anyone being a fucking massive fan of whatever the fuck turns them on. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think he was more more just being a cranky old fucking. Oh yeah, that's what he does. You know. He, he liked Motley Crue at one point, and he's probably just more jealous. He's just ball busting. Yeah, just yeah, just trying to... We roast the ones we love. Yeah, and that, I, I mean, it really did take me by surprise, and I was really sick and not well that day, so I couldn't really come out fighting, you know? When I was in high... Yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. When I was in high school... I hung out with like the rock crowd, you know, leather jackets, long hair into, you know, Black Sabbath, Metallica, um, right some Megadeth, stuff like that. But not, not much Motley Crue didn't get represented much. There were, there were a couple kids in the school that were like the Motley Crue enthusiasts, and they were like almost like the Columbine kids of this school. This school like the Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold of the school. This is in Georgia. Like, yeah, you know, this is Bible Belt. The Warner Robins Bible Belt, Georgia. Yeah. You'd think the Black Sabbath fans would be more like the Columbine right? kids. <laughs> You'd think. Uh, so but, who are your but, favorite no, they, fans? They were, yeah, they were, they were pretty wild. These dudes, they scared me. Well, let's say this real quick. This is stupid that humans do this, but they do do this shit all the time where it's like, do you like the Beatles or the Stones? Mm -hmm. and, shit, and you have to like pick these teams. And I feel like GNR and the crew became the teams. And Chris and I are both total more GNR snobs than crew fans. Um, I remember maybe, you telling me that uh, yeah, I don't know if the podcast. I, I just thought it felt like more artistry type shit. And maybe we're more pretentious and into that kind of shit from GNR. I don't know. Um, well, you know, it's just like anything else. The, the sweep paved, opened the way for bands like Motley Crue. Motley Crue opened the door for Guns N' Roses. Right. Guns N' Roses. Wait till that fucking movie comes out about Guns N' Roses or Ozzy's movie. If they well, Jay and I, Jay and I pitched a show real, real casually, just like in meet and greets at, at first, um, that it was called Sticks and Stones, and it was like a Guns N' Roses parallel um, on Sunset Strip following this band as they form, and, you know, uh, the members, like, change out and all that stuff, like what happened with L.A. Guns and all that. Um, and we actually were sent copies of The Dirt, the book, 
by Johnny Depp's production company because, you know, he's really, of course, into rock and roll with Hollywood vampires and all that shit. I think he's yeah. like the only one we really even pitched it to because we yeah. were like, he owns the Viper the, Room, we, we Sunset Strip and other, shit. Yeah, yeah. But um, so they sent us the books to read so we could start the conversation going and use that as a reference and everything. But then as that was happening, HBO announced HBO announced that um, Scorsese and Mick Jagger were working on a show that was set in like, a, you know, bands developing in, you know, in uh, that scene. But it was in the 70s, not it wasn't exactly. Yeah, the man, this is how Hollywood was. It's like if it's but because of that, rock they, bands. Yeah, it was like too much too close. So they abandoned. Well, check this out. Forward with this. I just found this in my copy of the book. This is the letter from Johnny Depp's company. Right. Nice. And it's like. When we went in and we pitched this shit like an epic Shakespearean rise and fall five seasons as they go from playing nothing to making it to the strip to the stadium tours in Tokyo, Japan and shit. And then by the end of it, they're all just broken and busted and shattered. And, you know, there will be blood with rock band and shit, basically. So are you going to try to base it almost all off of Guns N' Roses story? Or are you going to throw everything? We're doing an amalgamation. amalgamation. Sort of uh, amalgamation. Yeah. Like, you know how Sopranos did their treatment of the mafia world? They were all fictional characters, but they borrowed from other real stories. And yeah. yeah. So we could do this epic, crazy show. And then the guy in the room, he was like, yeah, we've been talking to Doc McGee a lot and stuff. Um, we're oh, that's cool. With him. So what if we do the show... Like more from the manager's point of view and all that. And we're like, fuck the manager. The f- yeah, we were like, it's the lead singer and the guitarist clashing. You know, the egos. Fuck right? the That's manager. What really the manager's about. just the character gets in the way and shit. It's, right. it's, it's about the band, not fucking Doc McGee and fucking Doug yeah. Thank you. The fucking Thank cat herders. <laughs> Thank you. And then, so then but though. That's what. Oh, well, the Terrence Winter show that Scorsese and Mick Jagger did was vinyl, and that's what the fuck they did. It's like the executive yeah, approach. Hollywood never, always has to make it about themselves. These executives are like, make it about the executive. Fuck you. No one cares about the executive. If I yes. make a movie about a baseball team, you want me to make it about the manager and shit? Shut up. Well, they usually do make the movies about the managers of sports teams. Kind of. Oh, look at yeah. Bull Durham if it was about the manager instead of fucking Crash Davis and Nuclear Lush and shit. Get out of here. Totally. Him watching them, trying to wrangle cats or herd cats, like Chris said. You certainly could use that as one window into it. You know, I mean, to be an ensemble sort of thing. Yeah, well, give him his own episode. episode. It'd be awesome. Yeah, you see how what he has to deal with from his perspective, etc. But it'd be great but anyway. Yeah, that that's well. Here's the letter though. It's funny. He says the game plan right now is for them to read and see if they spark to the world, then come up with a plan for the show. First off. What? If we sparked to the world, we, we already pitched had... you this shit. Yeah, it was already, you know. So they're like making it sound like it's their idea. And then I he exactly. says, yep. right now, we see this as a one hour set against the backdrop of Los Angeles metal scene circa 85 to 90 that follows a music manager as he negotiates his life and the lives of the rock and roll clients. We loosely, very loosely, see this as a six or a mix of Mad Men and Californication. <laughs> Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. We just never, never even pursued it. We didn't do shit with it. We're like getting distilled. I've never seen an episode well, of Californication. This... I heard it's I, good, I, but. I think I started the pilot once. Yeah, okay. It didn't grab me, but. I think um, they mean sex and drugs and shit. That's the Californication yeah, the for them. Yeah. yeah, I heard the rundown, you know, and seen a clip here and there, but as, as I get older, I'm. I, it's getting harder to watch uh, movies and TV shows. 
Yeah. Like I, I can watch documentaries all day long. Yeah, same. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I can read wait, books. Make them up. So well, let's <laughs> ask about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the dirt, though. Okay. Should, should this have been a documentary? Um, no, because there's so many flat-out documentaries out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They probably you know? already have that. There is something to be said Obviously for the dramatization. The behind the music. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think both should exist, both forms for sure. Mm-hmm. Why not have both, uh, you know, manifestations? But um, you know, the behind the scenes, you know, VH1 or behind the music rather, uh, that right. series, you know, those were great. Um, and yeah, I I try and watch documentaries like the Metallica one and stuff. You know, the behind the scenes. Uh, what was this? Um, was that something? monster they got through anyway. the never and then they, they got like yeah yeah yeah, the yeah. Making of they've got a few right album, yeah. <clears throat> yeah i love that stuff though that you know i don't watch enough of it but did you see the um, uh documentary of uh lars taking a shit no. movie of i was lars. just about to make the same joke but i was gonna yeah. piss <laughs> hilarious dude uh, hilarious <laughs> fucking hilarious uh, i should be a stand-up comedian i could be on the road right now in horse cave fucking kentucky uh, but I don't, did you guys, I don't know when you read the book, but obviously I bought the book the day it came out in uh, 19, I think 99. I think it was like June 1st, maybe, or maybe something along that lines. And uh, you're going to probably fact check that. (laughs) No, I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, So am I, I think it was, but I think it was around June 1st, 99. But um, I remember that they were, six was promoting that it was going to, they already had a script made. And they were going to turn it into a movie, and Man. it just every time development hell, dude. It, development yeah, hell. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they he finally you know put on Facebook or some shit like, oh well, uh, we got a director Jeff Tremaine, and I'm thinking, wow, that's going to be a weird pairing. Yeah, because he was known for like Jackass movies and shit, right? And Jackass yeah. episodes. Yeah, but he, I, I think he did a fucking tremendous job. Yeah, the book, it says in this first paperback edition, which this is, is 2002. I don't know if it came out. I imagine hardcover first. I don't know when. Yeah, but, uh, hardcover. Um, the first time I read it was, I was just looking at the date on this letter we had from Depp's company. It was t- 2012. We were still with our first agent and shit. Um, fucking so did the nothing book was for at us. least a decade old before you even read it? Yeah. And again, uh, like I said, always the crew wasn't my thing necessarily. Respected them, but... I wasn't like I gotta read the crew biography and shit, you know. Even but, um, even for people who are not Motley Crue fans, people who love stories of, of the fucking sex, drugs, uh-huh. and rock and roll, people who love to get inside the heads of people who yes. are a bit twisted and totally. just want to look into human nature, the fucking Dirt's an excellent book to Dude, read. It's an amazing book. When I read yeah. it, I was like, "Holy shit!" It's amazing how much couldn't make it into the movie, right? Know? And yeah, a lot of it, it on. yeah they had to condense it a lot of it was cut out because there was ndas with mm. like uh, pam anderson and donna d'erico okay. and shit like that and then and then oh, it's uh, gotta be yeah, time. yeah all the divorces so right and then like i'm a member of like a couple of motley crew fan pages on facebook and Everybody was bitching about, oh, they got this fact inaccurate and this didn't happen. And there's the spider of, eating or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, no, they're I mean, snorting, just snorted, right? Technical inconsistencies that were done obviously for because they needed it for the time constraints. 
you know, and everybody's bitching about the same way they did with like Bohemian Rhapsody and all every other yeah. biopic. Sure. When you yeah. do that, you have to dramatize and combine scenes into one scene and shit. You know, like exactly. Ozzy might have done things over several days, but we're like, we got to make him piss, lick the piss, snort the ants and shit all at once, you know? And the whole snorting the ants is, yeah. and licking the pisses up for debate. Right. Jakey yeah. Lee says he I was think one there. person said it was a spider and not ants or something, and someone else said it didn't happen at all. And Well, yeah. and look at it. It's not a documentary. If you look at. Oliver right. Stone, when he made The Doors, he straight up said, I'm making a movie about the mythology of Jim Morrison in The Doors. It's not a fucking you, documentary. I knew you were going to bring up that movie because I know you fucking love that. I don't know if you're a huge Doors fan, but I know I, you love that movie. So I, I love The Doors. I'm a huge Doors fan, but uh, more Jim fan. Always yeah. fucking love that dude. But uh, And the Oliver Stone's the shit. That, that run Oliver Stone had. Mm-hmm. From the mid '80s to the early '90s, it's probably unparalleled to me as a fucking filmmaker. How do you think the dirt would have been if Oliver Stone did it? If he did it back in Definitely the day, different. yeah. Versus now, if he did it now, it'd be a little toothless, probably. Unfortunately, but yeah, I was surprised how much teeth it had. Just with it being on Netflix when it opened with titties and he's fucking left and right. right. And, you know, I was like, all right, Netflix is had a squirting scene. It was like the cold open. No shit. <laughs> I I think. I, oh god. Well, I was going to say, I'm a little fo- uh, foggy on it. I have like I watched it when it came out, but I haven't seen it since. Jay just watched it like last night in preparation for this, but it kind of came up fast of me. I, w- I would have liked to. But um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to speak as, spe- as specifically on all the scenes as you guys might. But do you remember how you felt when you saw it, though? Were you surprised that? Yeah, the squirting scene for sure. Like that for that right. to be the like, like, yeah, all right, right, let's take this ride, dudes. Yeah. And uh, having read the book, I knew there was shit like I was just dreading when the Skyler shit came into it. Just especially now that I have a kid. I didn't have a kid when I read the book. Right. Now I got a seven-year-old son. I did hit hard. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that uh, definitely did hit hard. For people who don't know, Vince Neal's four-year-old daughter died from fucking cancer. And this is after he had already killed somebody in a car wreck and been through the ups and downs and the bands and all that shit. And he had to have yeah, a four-year-old the- kid die. Ugh. That was one of the things in the movie that had to be consolidated and isn't exactly uh, the timeline is off because in the movie um, they show that him and Cherise basically Cherise is pregnant during the theater of pain tour the night of Vince's accident. She's pregnant with Skyler and Skyler died in like 96, 97. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. And Theodore Payne was 85, so they had to they had to do a little of that. Right. That little girl was... But that's what you're doing with a movie. You're telling... I know, dude. Yeah. That's fucking awful. And I, I, uh, I did a project, uh, a doc- rockumentary, cable access rockumentary with Vince uh, not too long after his daughter died. We were supposed oh, to. We had all the credentials. We got all the band members interviewed, uh, the guys from the road crew, Slaughter, and then uh, Vince walked off stage that night in a half because somebody threw a fucking cup at him so he pulled his usual bullshit of throwing the mic down and said i'm fucking out of here so we never got the interview with him so that kind of we had to scrap everything that, that's but, almost perfect though it's like that's the band in yeah. a nutshell like you said that's like you always interview. did like, <laughs> right. that's our interviews yeah. he yeah. ain't there yeah i should have i should have went with it but uh, mm-hmm. when i was talking to his manager before we set it up and then i talked to his manager afterwards he said straight out that Vince was ha- having a really hard time Dude, coping still. I mean, 
So I, I didn't really want to be a fucking dick. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's cool. That shit's brutal. I mean, their whole lives, it is that live fast. I mean, not die young. None of them fucking died, mm-hmm. but people did die. Nicky die, yeah. You know, yeah. You. <laughs> he got his Pulp Fiction moment in the movie. Right. And that, and that too, I mean, like, today, right. that would be nothing because they got Narcan and people. Mm-hmm. I, I know people who are dying at least once a week. They've got at least 12 technical deaths under their belt, and they're being brought back with Narcan. But back in the mid '80s, there wasn't Narcan, and if you were if you already turned blue, you you were gone. Think of how bad our epidemic would be right now, opioid crisis, without Narcan and shit. Oh, because it's already an epidemic of deaths. Without that shit, it'd be a fucking plague, dude—a true plague. And yet, there's shitbags out there complaining that Narcan is being administered to these people, as if they don't deserve the chance. Right. you know, like, fucking fuck you. Let them die. Fuck yeah. you, dude. Die. Their choice. It's not a disease. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> but can well, you talk about the first time you saw the dirt? Obviously, it was just like a year ago because it's new. So it's not like a lot of movies we have guests on the show. We're like, do you remember the first time you saw it? And they're like, man, I was seven. My dad took me to the fucking movies or whatever. But do you remember the first time you heard Crew? Like, when did your love affair with Crew begin? Uh, I think when i was about seven or eight i saw the live wire video and <laughs> i picture my seven-year-old son seeing this shit and just like yeah that's exactly how i was man yes. i i just looked at him and the fucking six was attacking that base and you could even my little seven-year-old fucking <laughs> back then i was wasn't fat yet but even my pre-fat fuck self, you could see the fucking anger at seven years old on that fucking basis. And he was just taking that shit out on that fucking base. And everybody else was just taking out every fucking part of their aggression. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Were you angry at that age? Were you responding to something because of that? Like, was it? Yeah, I think I was born that... angry. I, yeah. I, I try to manifest it in different ways, but... I got, I got, there's a part of, in my, in my soul that's going to be eternally fucking angry. And so you think like you have some genetic predisposition and toward it or. I don't know if it's like, genetic or if it was, you know, nature versus nurture, but. Yeah, that that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I mean, I could, some I, of it, some of it could be, you know, fucking nature, but I mean, mm-hmm. as, as, as I grew up, all the shit that I saw and all the things that I was a part of just my anger continued to fucking rise and it still does to this day, you know, but I just take it out in different ways. Is that still something you like about Motley Crue? Like, do you still feel that catharsis and shit when you listen to them or see them or some shit, or is it now more of a nostalgia thing and they feel like a safe place and shit? It's a combination because, you know, as, as musicians and as a band, they, they continue to grow, you know, People always say, well, they're I not. I wish fucking- Gall was here. He'd be like, no, yeah, you know, fucking yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. No. Three chords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always going to be. That's their those. fucking problem. But fucking teenagers. Nicky said, said that he was the best musician or the best songwriter. He just said he wanted to write awesome fucking songs and connect with fucking angry kids. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Was, that was his fucking goal. He accomplished it, but you can see them the evolution of them spiritually and as human beings and musically. 
maybe that's it when i when i talk about my high school peers and how the it was the angry kids who were the molly crew fans <laughs> and meanwhile i think like the black sabbath and led zeppelin one we were the depressed ones yeah, <laughs> like depressed. they were angry we were depressed uh, you were theater and, kids they were vandals right, and shit. exactly pretty much yeah in my school all the zeppelin fans were stoners but yeah we, i yeah, think you so. guys are a little chris you're probably older than me yeah, i'm 47 Oh, well, you're just a year older than me. A year or two. I can't remember if I'm 40. I think I'm 46. I've done that at times in my life. Same. Forgot how old I am. Like, what the I'm fuck? I'm not even 100% on the 47, but I think that's right. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck, most of the time, I don't even know what date is anymore. We're all in our mid-40s, so we all came from around the same area. That's all that fucking counts. We, we, right. we mm-hmm. know what decade we were born. But when Bro, you mentioned being angry seven white years, boys. <laughs> when you mentioned being seven years old, and I think about that age, the music I was keying into was like was Michael Jackson out and stuff yet. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it was more yeah. like pop, uh, Springsteen, Cindy Lauper. I had a huge crush on her, which is hilarious because <laughs> in this movie, uh, Razzle which, or whatever, it's like, or Vince Neil is telling Razzle during the car crash. You got to choose. Who would you rather fuck? Cindy Lauper or Boy George? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it's got to be Cindy Lauper, right? She's got the parts of plumbing, at least. And he's like, wait, Boy George is probably pretty experienced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> car crash in the middle of it. You, did Obviously you see uh, Cindy Lauper's performance for New Year's the other night? Like, no, was she good? Nights ago. Supposedly. Uh, well, I saw like a 30 second clip and it was all over. Like, it was, I don't think it went very well. She's a fucking goat. <laughs> I don't care. She's, yeah, a legend. she's amazing. I mean, just yeah. watch the We Are the World bit when she shows what how Dude, she she's a whole different creature handles man. It and stuff you uh, know here's here's something that's kind of fucked up uh because i forgot what we were talking about already so i'll just change the subject sure <laughs> that shit don't matter don't, don't, don't matter, matter. I, I, I apologize i think we exhausted that one anyway so go uh, um boy george scene. is your answer right so. no no <laughs> it's right before the boy george car crash scene we were talking about something and i forgot what we were talking about but, I think it was um, just the kind of music that we listened to at that age, like when you said you you laughed because yeah, he had said Cindy Lauper, oh, yeah. which is what John yeah, yeah, and I was yeah just talking about the the yeah. contrast. Of, oh yeah, okay. I I did want to add to that. I I, lo- I like Michael. J- I love all kinds of music. I love fucking if it moves me emotionally. I don't care what. Yeah, it is, same. I like it. Genres, but um, if they molested so, or killed someone, I listened to it. <laughs> but it wasn't until like my teen, <laughs> until my <laughs> teens, where I started to get into the more like actually like heavier rock type stuff. You know. Um, yeah, I remember like Hall and Oates, the Rocky soundtrack, Survivor and shit. Yeah. Like, my first, my first album was <laughs> Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. Oh, dude! My grandmother oh, yeah, used to. Yeah. See, that's the other thing. We lived basically with our yeah. mom and our grandmother. And our mom liked like Jackson Brown kind of yep. shit. Oh, Singer songwriter stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our grandmother played a lot of Kenny Rogers and, and Willie Nelson, shit like that. Yeah, I'm, so, I, I, I had a lot of influence too, and from my older brother. I actually got my older brother into more music than he got me into. Mm-hmm. You know, How old I is just, he? Older than you, is he? Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, four years, four and a half okay. years older than me. About the same difference as me and Jay, then, yeah. It's funny yeah. how music's almost like a family religion, like you inherit this musical yeah. background, and then eventually you rebel against it in your teens by listening to whatever. And yeah, shit, exactly, because um, it's kind of funny that this is the subject, too, because literally earlier today, um, I had remembered that well, our, our mom was saying that they're getting back. They were going through their old records and like she took a picture of it and sent it to us and stuff. And it reminded me that I wanted to ask them to send me a list of all the songs they used to have on their mixtapes 
in the 80s in the Philippines when they would have company over and we'd be in our rooms reading comics or falling asleep or whatever and to re revisit that stuff. But at the time, I wasn't into it as much because, you know, like you said, you rebel against what your parents are into. But so I was on that I list. A new appreciation for it all, you know. What was on that oh, list? Yeah, dude, oh, pop shit. the list out, dude. It's pretty. Yeah, I'll, I'll just rattle off the first few, sure. I mean, it's a ton, though. I mean, we're talking. Like, but dude, they had handwritten lists of songs a party playlist for a reel to reel from like the fucking yeah. 80s, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. Old school. Um, just from the top of the list. Uh, <laughs> Run to You, Brian Adams. <laughs> Boys of Summer, Don Henley. So we got Pat Benatar, uh, The Cars, Springsteen, Dio, Scorpions, nice. Tom Petty. I Tom got Petty. kicked out of a Cars Foreigner. <laughs> really? What's that? Yeah, I, I snuck I off that. to the concert. I got kicked out of a... Uh, I got in trouble at a Cars concert. I, I snuck uh -huh. out, nice. lied to my parents, and I went to a, went to the concert. And I think I was in junior high, maybe seventh grade. I was stoned as fuck, and I was dancing on the chairs. And the guards kept the security guards kept telling me to get up the chairs, stop dancing. But I just kept getting back up there, and fuck I yes. had a lot of trouble. Yes. <laughs> fuck the man, rebellious <laughs> seventh grade fucking Jeff Lampton, man. Hey, Cindy Lauper's on this list. A couple spots. Hell yeah, uh, dude! I'm telling you, Cindy John. Lauper, don't make fun of her, you Paul's fucking young people. Girl. She might be old and loopy, right. but that bitch is awesome. That's what, yeah, like, well, the New Year's thing is kind of always a fuck up anyway. Like Mariah, yeah. Mariah Carey last year, like her, she couldn't hear the music and she just, just like sat there degrees like degrees outside. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. just like why even try that? Why, why bother, man? Just <laughs> pre-record some shit. Everybody has an off day at work. Nobody's going to be perfect. Right. People can go fuck themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, so easy that, that wasn't meant to be a knock on her. I just wanted to, yeah. to point out that that's happening in the popular sphere. Well, yeah, because people haven't even been yeah. talking about her recently, probably. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, people have no lives and they have nothing better to do shit on people that they don't know. They don't create. They don't right. Mm -hmm. So exactly. that's uh, what I was going to say it. earlier about weird memories is that uh, I don't know if you guys remember the overdose scene in the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, the dealer, who, as he was mixing and up oh, there, he goes to piss. <laughs> the dealer, as he was mixing up like to go, oh, fuck yeah, cheers, guys. Let's do, let's do New Year's cheers. Cheers. <laughs> That's what I was running to get was more booze. Chill. What do you got, Brandy? Uh, wine. I'm drinking a bourbon old-fashioned. Nice, I got Blood Light Platinum. Nice. I drank through all the rest of my booze over the holidays, so oh, I'm down to wine now. I got more coming tomorrow, though. So. <laughs> uh, where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, okay. So the the overdose scene when the the uh -huh. the dealer was uh, fixing six, and he starts talking about uh, he makes the comment about uh, Walt Disney watching hookers shit underneath the, yes. uh, <laughs> the glass table. The fucking funny thing is that my mom always used to buy those uh, star newspapers. Mm -hmm. It was like the gossip rag shit. Yeah, yeah. It was one step above the Inquirer. It wasn't right as bad as the Inquirer. Uh -huh. And they always had these things. Which where, made it not as good. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, They're still entertaining. Oh, no, right. I'm just shit. So, and they always had this page where they would tell shit. They would dish dirt on people, but they wouldn't say who it was. Oh yeah, oh, I love that. You have box. to guess. 
that they were talking about the screenwriter who, after he finished every every script, he hired two hookers. He got under the glass table and masturbated while the hookers shit on the table. That's I remember reading that back in fucking like 1983 or nineteen. But it said screenwriter, and you're saying he said it was Disney, but this is like a common... Yeah. Yeah, so they just took that, and I think Kevin Smith oh, they were made a reference it. to that. Who do you think it was? Robert Town, know. fucking I don't Esther know. House. I don't know Esther House. Esther House. <laughs> it sounds like something Esther House would do. <laughs> <laughs> but it might not even have been a screenwriter. They might have been just using screenwriter to hide the fact that it was an actor or a producer. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised in the Tarantino. 80s anyone was talking about a screenwriter in the yeah. early 80s. And that's why it might have been Esther House because there there weren't he too many the high profile. Notable, yeah. yeah, yeah, he hadn't sold Basic Instinct yet, but I think like Fist <laughs> and shit like that he'd probably written. But uh, yeah, he had, and he had already waged war against the union and all the directors. Yeah, exactly. So he already had a bunch of enemies. hey, a drink to yeah. Joe Esterhaus in his <sighs> battles with Mel Gibson Fuck and yeah. shit. Have you ever read the accounts? Yeah. He wrote the whole accounts of his dealings with Mel Gibson. It's fascinating. Fucking it's epic. pretty short. I saw excerpts of it in like Rolling Stone and shit when it was first mm. published, you know. And I read uh, whatever I could find about him because I, I fucking admire him greatly. This Turkish know? walking stick fight. He's one stick. of those. He, he's, he's one of those people that I too admire greatly, but I don't know if I want to be in the same room with. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be in. A room Most of my him. heroes are like that. I don't know if I want to <laughs> hang out with Jim and shit. Like exactly. You know, Jim, maybe Gordon Ramsay. You know, there's so many I've, people out there I've that are awesome, but I just don't heroes, want to be anywhere near. So. Oh well, they say you should never meet your heroes. You got right? stories <laughs> you to speak to that. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, if you look at your hero as a human, it's fine because right. yeah, you're yeah. just a millionth person coming up to them that week and shit. Of course, half of our heroes are are our heroes because they're so flawed. Bukowski, etc. I'd expect him Mel to be Gibson. a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, like, that's I mean, partly why they're my heroes because they're pieces of shit. <laughs> right. Well, but the thing is that they're not pieces of shit. Nah, right, they're humans. They're humans. Exactly. You know, I mean, exactly. Some... That's the well, wait, wait, wait. I think we're. You were humans going. are pieces of shit, so they are pieces right. of shit because they're right. humans. Yeah, right. heroes and non. Yeah, right. so let's not get the shit twisted. <laughs> right. But suck. did you have any good um, stories of never meet your heroes? Like, any examples of like where you were hugely disappointed or. Uh, Oh, wow. I just or did you just a, always disappoint them? You don't have to name names if you don't want to. I but. just had a dream that somebody asked me that exact same question, Funny. and I was Deja. telling them the story. Was it a sexy bald man? Who's no, it was actually David Baldacci <laughs> asked this me the question. What was that? David Baldacci asked me the question. Apparently, I was having dinner with David Baldacci. Who is that? The name escapes me. He's, a, he's an author. Uh, he wrote uh, like the Memory Man series. He's got like oh yeah, yeah, I've seen his. Himself. All right, all right, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, he was he was, he scenes. asked me, and I told him the the one that was. There's two that are really disappointing, and one that I was actually uh, involved with creating a national rumor about. Uh, the first shitty one was Stephen Piercy. Oh. Um, you mm-hmm. guys didn't grow up in the '80s in Milwaukee, so you probably don't know what a place called T.A. Vern's is, but. No. They had all the rock clubs back then, and we couldn't go into them because we were underage. So we would either sneak into those clubs or – and once I got to a point, I'm like, you know what? Why am I sneaking in? I'm just going to go and work and fucking 
just I'll just go in and fucking do stage work and roadie shit. Mm. You know, I'll get I'll make a few bucks. I'll get a free ticket to the show and I'll get free beer. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a fucking great end. deal yeah. for a 16 yeah. year old. You know, totally love it. So that'd be a great uh, show. I, th- I feel like they did that. Didn't Cameron Crowe did some fucking yeah movie. We bought a zoo toned roadie show. Right. I think. Oh, they see. We need the dirty. I know. That's the thing. Roadies. They get wrong. Anyway. TV show. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. That's all right. Well, uh, I guarantee Cameron Crowe should didn't have a squirting scene to open it. <laughs> Sorry, Cameron Crowe. That was almost famous, wasn't it? Or is that a different? As, no, well, he, he did, did a TV show well, for but... Showtime like a year or two ago called Roadies. Uh, but I think it's oh, just... it was a TV show. Okay. Yeah, it was a Showtime show, which I haven't watched, but I remember seeing. I think I was watching previews. part of the pilot. And, yeah, I, was totally like, and I got the same sense about wife. the tone. Huh. I had a crush on. Uh, so, so who, you were saying though you you decided to work as a roadie to get into the bars, and this was going to lead to a story about who was it? Uh, yeah, the first one was uh, Stephen Piercy uh, from Piercy, Rat. From yeah. Rat. From Rat. He was the touring band, with yeah. his solo band Arcade at the time, and I called up my buddy who. You know, let me work at the club. And I said, I'm a big fucking Piercy fan. Can I come and fucking work the show? Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. So I get up there and the road manager, his road manager comes up to me and says, look, uh, my, my right-hand guy, he's back at the hotel. He's sick as fuck. So you're going to have to take all over all his duties today. I'm like, okay, no problem. So he's got me running around all over looking for shit. Steven wants chocolate milk. You need to do this. Doing all the personal crunch shit, oh you know? Yeah. So the rider shit. take out all the brown M&Ms. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I was also doing lights. Not only did I help set up the stage, but I was doing the lights and I was doing breakdown and I was doing everything else. And the road manager's name, Mel, he asked me at the end of the show, I was also selling their merch for him too, because the, the guy who was sick also ran their merch table. And uh, when I gave Mel all the money from the merch, <clears throat> He handed me a few bucks. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, but I don't really give a shit about getting paid. The only thing is, like, I got friends that are huge Piercy fans. If I could just get one autograph for my brother to my brother, that's all I fucking care about. You can keep the money, dude. I go, ah, that's solid, man. So he goes into the bus, and then he comes back out, and he goes, ah, Steven won't do it. Damn. I'm like, that's fucking bullshit, dude. That's all he had to do was scribble. You know, guy might not have even asked him though. Great. You never yeah, know. Who knows? That's true. You, you don't know you, the whole real story. You are true. That is correct. Yeah. I didn't. I yeah. never he could have just been running that. interference. Think yeah. about it. That guy probably has a bunch of people. He doesn't want to be going every day bugging him and getting shit. Yeah. You know, whatever. So yeah, I would I, not be surprised. I never yeah. thought about that. Now, we we should have just used a different excuse. Yeah. Rather than saying that he's a dick, you should have just been he was sleeping or something. Oh, this is like literally like <laughs> soon after the show. Uh, right after, yeah. Yeah, so he, um, maybe he was. Maybe he was fucking a chick. And he exactly. Yeah. Sorry, exactly. kid. He's I doing never, what you wish you'd be doing. Yeah. He's snorting lines. Never thought, he could at least, if I mean, if that was the case. He's in his hot tub. Grab the pace of, <laughs> yeah, the show is in Milwaukee, not Horse Cave, Kentucky. <laughs> but the second show. I'm jealous show, too, man. Hot tub sounds awesome right now. Totally. It dude. feels fucking great, especially on an old man body like mine. God, it feels you are good. fully nude, right? For the record, <laughs> did you want me to stand up? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm my dab for the first time in my life. <laughs> no, I've suddenly taken to heroin, like D Brown <laughs> with dunk contest. Or shit. So, the second story involves Ace Fraley from Kiss. Oh, shit. 
He was, uh, I was, I was doing regular roadie work for a local You and band. Sal Governale, you fucking didn't Sal. <laughs> Got our Howard reference in. Love yes. It. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> so I was a regular roadie for a local band called Nasty Habit, and they opened up for Fraley. And uh, I was also doing the lights and all the shit for Fraley's show. And before Nasty Habit set, yeah, back in the day, I tended to drink a little, meaning I would be blackout drunk within 10 minutes of starting to drink, and then I would be so fucking drugged up, I could keep drinking all night and not know what the fuck was going on. So I was a bit drunk, and uh, me and the other roadie, uh, Shaggy, we were, we were side <laughs> stage. Yeah, any story with a guy named Shaggy's Nasty good, habits, you know? roadie Shaggy. <laughs> yeah. I love it, dude. Uh so Cute. I was I was fucked up. I picked That's up Shaggy. Kind of like Ozzy did Randy Rhodes on the ultimate on the tribute CD. I picked up Shaggy. We were fucking around and we were climbing on the amps having fun and we knocked over the fucking marshals. Oh man, and, that's like yeah. a huge bike or something. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them crashed down on Ace's <laughs> yeah, right. guitar. Fucking oh, one of them crashed down the on guitar. Ace's guitar. Oh, yeah. Fuck that hurts. Yeah. And uh, so, like a kick so when up. I made that joke, it wasn't so much your heroes disappointed you as you disappointed <laughs> them. Well, was Fraley was better. never a hero of mine. All right, all right, gotcha. I, I like Kiss, but I never looked up to mm -hmm. him in that manner. Sure. But the next day, it was all over the radio, and it was in <laughs> a roadie. Fucking yeah, no, no, it, it was in like the Metal Edge that month, and it was on the radio that Ace Fraley had fallen off the wagon. And was trashing his equipment on stage. Oh, it was huge. And Milwaukee, Hell Wisconsin. Man, it was actually it was... my drunk fucking ass. That's amazing. <laughs> that he is framed beautiful. Ace Fraley for now you know Ace. And shit. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I'll ever be known for in this world. And oh, man. See on I Twitter. Bad, tweet that. this episode at him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Ace, too, because he's getting this reputation. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't fucking destroy my equipment. He that's was hilarious. He was, he wasn't a dick that night, but he was kind of, I mean, at this point, it was like 90, probably 96, 97. At this point, he had seen everything, done everything, mm -hmm. and he just wanted to go to his hotel, come do the show, and get the fuck out of there so he wouldn't mm -hmm. be. Well, and it's partly, too, what the dirt is about, not to fucking bring it back to the movie that's our fucking subject, Top but uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris and I, with our show, we were doing the same thing. Where basically by the end of it, by the end of season five, it's like maybe the last scene is one of them watching MTV and fucking Nirvana just comes on for like the 10th time mm -hmm. that day or Pearl Jam. How the grunge scene came in and basically killed the hair scene and the yeah. metal scene, essentially. That the Ace Frehleys and all these dudes in the 90s, mid 90s, they had already went through that where they're never going to get back to the heights they were. Right. So now it's like the retirement tour, essentially, yeah, which is, which you know, kind of sad. And it's all right. Die yeah. at 27, like join the 27 well, club. And <laughs> in the mid nineties, Ace Fraley rode that wave like three or four times. He just fucking yeah. crashed and burned like right. all those times. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be hard, dude. I mean, if we look oh, at all these dudes so. as humans again, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like and Icarus shit. They got too close to the sun. They got burned. The rest of their life is fucking. It's fucked. Yeah. So Except I that ask? they can still enjoy all the same comforts we all do, like, you know, good food and things like that. Like, it's like you can't Kinda. achieve that height of greatness anymore. But I'm just saying, like, it would be 
in the interest of their well-being though to view it mm-hmm, that way mm-hmm, you know what i'm right, saying rather than right. trying to achieve something that's probably just like a flash in the pan it's like we were eating sushi off a supermodel while drinking dom perignon i can still drink wine i can still go get sushi but you know I mean, right, part, part right. of it is the chicks. Like the chicks dry yeah. up, right? Oh, or they get older and shit. Well, yeah. yeah, and yeah, most of them get married and go have some divorces or right. stay with them. Bennett ends up becoming more of a family man situation, like Slash seems to be, and you know, yeah. Do, well, so. see, and that's kind of the cool thing about the dirt, the book, not the movie, because Six came out and said when when Vince left the band, and we did the solo tour and uh, record with Karabi, grunge took over. And we went from being one of the biggest bands in the world mm-hmm. to me and the guys from Skid Row were at a hotel in fucking Canada and we were doing mm-hmm. blow with strippers and time was up. We didn't have enough money to pay the strippers, so the strippers left. That takes fucking balls for a rock star to fucking say, hey, mm-hmm. we could That's the dirt. It's the real dirt, like Jack London yes. talked about. The dirt, <laughs> the truth, you know? That, that's probably what Jack London was having in mind. <laughs> it was he said yeah. don't give me the bullshit give me the dirt the real dirt mm-hmm. the truth that's exactly what he wanted he wants his rock stars <laughs> to be confessional and tell about the fall you know that's the truth man these dudes can try and live that rock star life forever but man that's a peak like i was looking when nicky died in the movie and they had his years lived he was like 29 when he had that od like that's it. Could you imagine me at twenty nine again? Whenever I watch movies like this, I just want to be young and skinny again. I get so fucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember skinny. <laughs> well, once, I had moments here and there. Once, once I hit nine, skinny ish. Yeah, eight eight years old. I started getting fat. Was, there was no looking. But you back. started drinking at eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't start drinking until I was eleven. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, sure you've done your so, share of drinking to the crew. Ah, uh, I've had a few drinks to the uh, crew. I mean, do you play music? Are you a musician? Uh yeah, I play guitar. I, I play okay. guitar, bass, drums, but mostly guitar. Cool. Um, I, I could, like, right now I don't play the way I used to. I would be able mm-hmm. to pick up the guitar and play any fucking Molly Crew song that you named, mm-hmm. and shitload of Metallica, Randy Rhodes, and other nice. Ozzy songs. But yeah. Uh, do you I, think I, I fucking love music, man? Real talk. Do you think rock and roll is dead? No. All right. No. Now rock is and that roll, not to sound like fucking Ozzy, but you, you can't fucking kill rock and roll, man. You're, <laughs> pretty good. You're never gonna kill rock and roll because rock and roll is. Because sex, drugs, and rock and roll, there's always going to be fucking sex. There's always going to be drugs, and there's always going to be anger. So, all right, it, our rapper is rock and roll. Is Machine Gun Kelly himself right. rock and roll? Is rock Once just changed? Or, you know? yep. I, do, I, I only learned who Machine Gun Kelly was because of doing that podcast mm-hmm. with you. How did, how then, how great was he for this role? I, I, I thought think it was, was awesome. Perfect. Amazing. He was great, dude. Yeah, I'll put that motherfucker in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, um, that was I a treat. Heard a, heard a, I might have YouTubed a song of his after you told me, but I didn't pay mm-hmm. attention. But well, um, he had a the rap point battle is, with Eminem, right? Yeah, and Eminem yeah, keeps coming pretty, at him, and he's basically like, "Leave me alone, Eminem." <laughs> right? Yeah, so, <laughs> calm down, Boomer. <laughs> he's like, "You just need me to be relevant, you old fuck." Shut up. Right? Isn't, oh, shit. isn't that Machine Gun dude like a big fan of Eminem? 
Yeah, I think but there's then some tongue in cheek, some, like yeah, friendly, yeah, you know, rivalry yeah, things. Yeah, I, I fucking love Eminem, man. For I, sure, I fucking love him. Oh, oh speaking yeah. of Eminem, the dude, guy no, who played dude, Razzle, respect, the dude definitely kicks ass. Yeah. The dude who played Razzle in this movie, I was like, that motherfucker looks familiar to me for some reason. And man, I get caught in these wormholes on YouTube, and I remember watching a shitload of the British version of The Voice, and the dude who played Razzle in the Dirt Ooh. was a contestant on The Voice. And I remember he did a sick song. It was a mashup of Come Together by the Beatles and Lose Yourself by Eminem. He did it on electric yeah, guitar. He went from the Come Together into the Lose Yourself. It was sick, dude. Check that shit out on YouTube. Yeah, I'm gonna get have... his name. Max something, maybe. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to fucking look that up. Um, we were Pete Davidson about... was in this shit, which is hilarious. Yeah, yes. he did a. I mean, he looks nothing like Tom Zutat. I've met right. Tom. He looks mm. nothing like him. But he he still fucking did a great job acting in the movie. He kind of gave a little bit of, you know, the way he delivered his lines were funny. Like, you know, like I I loved how they would have the characters break the fourth wall, look into the camera. and kind of Yeah, because the book was all about that, too. Broken up point of views Mm -hmm. and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like uh, like Mick. Mick was always breaking that fourth wall and saying that shit never actually happened. He was like the Greek chorus of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But and, and Davidson was doing that too. <laughs> yes. Like never, never have your girlfriends or Motley Crew. Yes, they Crue. will no, fuck, fuck your them. woman. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love him in that. That too. goes for if you're a member of Motley Crew. Don't leave right. your woman around. Yeah, Crue. exactly. Couldn't trust them with each other, which will be a great thing in Sticks and Stones. No man, man. Just, be so God good. damn it. Well, they. I mean, that's that's. I almost want to send much. Norm that. Be like, remember this shit. Let's do yeah. the fucking band. But then Let's I'm like Hollywood that. TV development. We'll just we'll just write the fictional like memoir and they can make a movie or that'll be cool. that. fictional memoir. Oh, All right, so you guys yes. got Cactus Jack coming out in less than a month. What's next? We have a break podcast. Yeah, right. Honestly, we kind of fall <laughs> in love with podcasting, man. I hope Cactus yeah. Jack supercharges this shit. Just, just I'll sit around and bullshit all day. This shit, <laughs> and we can still work on our occasional, you know, film and stuff. But you know, I, I like the idea. Talk to hot ass men in bathtubs and shit. <laughs> I mean, what could be better? So yeah, for- yeah, we, we have we have so many fucking ideas though. I mean that we, you know, either have taken to a certain point, like written a, a screenplay for, or, or you know, uh, developed like at least the overall, you know, so much outline for and shit. The question though is what it's road an do we want to head down? Almost. Yeah, it's not like what story to tell or anything. It's like do we want. We- that's not a pretty problem. sick of the hollywood development which one shit. yeah right. so we want to do how? something is it then is it audio plays is it podcasting is it an indie yeah. film is it something that's outside of that whole arena well, of bullshit well with all due respect cactus jack probably breaks the mold of hollywood oh yeah whole movie is I, I like a fuck hollywood. Yeah. so you mm-hmm. kind of accomplished that already mm-hmm. without a doubt I mean, so. now's the time for that. I mean, ex- I mean, between just where it was headed anyway with the internet and the you know democratization of all of this, the technology and the uh, access to your audience, and, the um, and now with COVID and shit and accelerating all that, like, yeah, yeah, it's like just, just yeah, you can create your own content direct from the source now. The problem is yeah. just marketing it. How do you find an audience? Which we're yeah. struggling to do this podcast. Man, we have yeah. people tell us. But you have to have the content out there. We have 42 subscribers, you know. Right. Yeah. Have yeah we have, we have been spent. 
having Jeff Lampton on your podcast oh, is going to fucking help we'll your cause. Sorry, yeah. Skyrocket. In a week, in a week gonna we're going to have 39 subscribers. Right? Yeah, yeah, and only three people listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> That's proof. You know exactly how many listened by how many subscribers we lost. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna fucking message you next week to see how many you lost <laughs> nah man you're fucking a legend to me dude like uh you said you were sick that time you came in for the holy clowns podcast and i yeah i yeah. thought it was that and you had had some heart thing recently but also it was earlier in the morning which i know you're probably more nocturnal like myself but that was always rough for me too but um, yeah at the time i was recovering from the heart attack i had some other health issues going on and I wasn't caffeinated, and I was a bit drugged up from. Which was hilarious, issues. though, because you're like the loose cannon of comedy, and you're like, "What's up, guys? What's well, loose is in like a, a loose wheel in the shopping cart, or yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> a loose screw, right? No, it was it was a loose loose use of the word comedy. That's all. Technically, <laughs> I was being the loose cannon of comedy that day because you were expecting my typical insane over-the-top fucking Ooh, self honestly and i, How and meta. I fucking threw a wrench in, in that no i like that about it i remember telling chris i was like it's weird we just had lampton on it was kind of low energy but it was really weird because you kept asking me about when i had cancer you turned it around mm -hmm. where you did some shit where the interviewee starts interviewing the interviewer and mostly asking me about having cancer and shit which is like like this is total downer but that's how i like our shit to be anyway just it goes where it goes organically yeah i, I actually go, remember you know, listening to to that episode i was in taiwan in a hotel and just this you know i oh, yeah. as you as you guys did those episodes i just listened to them as jay sent them to me before you know you published anything and and i remember yeah really like that i, I yeah i thought it was compelling you know it was but, better than if you came in cracking one-liners and doing old yeah, bits and shit yeah yeah i don't like doing i mean i i usually like to i shy away from doing anything but i'll do it for, with friends and with people who i fucking connect with but otherwise i try to shy i really don't want to do shit but uh comedy you mean anything you know <laughs> fucking like, hear that I've been, in, I've been in Cheers. probably like a dozen movies Fuck doing and things. i haven't fucking with the exception of one movie where i had a bigger role it was a that wasn't even it was a voiceover you know, but this fucking prodigal son, dude. Yeah, and I was just kidding because actually doing things is exactly what you is the best thing for your well mental health, well being, etc. Is to stay yeah, busy. If you, if you, know. you do your own things, but not if you're yeah. Well, but but that's the thing, shit. right? But, try and find a way to do it that is, you know, the the most fluid and the with the least headaches and it's just right. rewarding. When you said what's yeah. next for us, I'm like, I don't know, but it's not going to be some shit. We're like, why are we doing this? I'm sick mm -hmm. of that. So we learned a lot I, like it. I like to turn the table. I like to find out more about the people I'm with because mm -hmm. I already know about me. I don't give right. a fuck about me. I want to know about you. You know, get your own so, fucking podcast from a bathtub. Right? You should do every episode from a <laughs> fucking bathtub, dude. <laughs> dude, this is also the first episode Kentucky. of your podcast. <laughs> no, just wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, from the top, whatever tub you can find. I do love that. Tub time think, with uh, fucking Kevin Jeff Smith had a hole. Tub time with Tubby. <laughs> you, you mentioned Kevin Smith earlier. I remember he had a thing where he was always taking selfies in the tub, but that's not exactly the same. But it did remind me of that. That'd be hilarious, dude. How many ashes from this cigarette or those cigarettes are in your tub? 
I'm pretty uh, good about that. I got a, I got a ass shirt right over here. I'm pretty <laughs> good about that. You're making me want to smoke a cigarette, though. I know, dude. I miss every time I see someone smoke, I get jealous. This mm. is my last weekend I might smoking. Have some ass one somewhere. Really? Uh, yeah, I'll be quitting. Just like uh, last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> weekend. No, no, seventeenth annual last weekend smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like Ozzy retiring. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be able to do it this time. So uh, once what this cigarettes is done, um, I'll be. I was able to get the medication like when i had my heart attack i got that uh medication and it started to work really well but my insurance only paid for half of it you needed like two two or three like programs but my only my insurance only paid for a third of it so by the time that shit ended i was back to fucking chain smoking again Mm. so i got i got the medication and i can take it as i need it and I just figured out the psychological tool that I need to quit. What is and it? Now, what? Just is it quit. a personal thing? No, it's, just quit. Well, you know, yeah, there's there's personal elements. I'm combining a lot of shit, but Well, I'm just saying someone watching this might take some value from that. But yeah. if it's something that'll well, only work um, for you, then Yeah, I don't know right. if it would work for anybody else, but I can say what, what I'm yeah, gonna try. But, I burn uh, my dick with a cigarette every time I have one. <laughs> that, that'll do it. That didn't make me quit. Trust me, it's happened. <laughs> now it looks you like you do that for just red kicks. My I dick, do that. My dick I, looks like Morgan Freeman now, but fucking... I burn my dick to cover up the herpes, and that way oh, yeah. <laughs> you just burn no, off the sores. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God, you're like I'm not diseased. I'm just sadomasochist, baby. Come here. <laughs> um. After after this carton is done, it's going to be a a financial thing. Yeah, because that is ridiculous waste it of is, money. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm spending almost two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars a month. Insane. That's, that mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And since we know that is mostly taxes, then it does seem that actually that technique is working. Apparently, that too. That, I wonder how many people hate big government and paying taxes but smoke. That's say that. If you want to say fuck the government, stop smoking. Oh shit. Part of the fucking taxes. Why do I want to pay the government to get cancer? Fuck that. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And then right. the other thing was another thing is that uh, watching my dad suffer as he was dying, he quit a long time ago. He quit in the mid nineties, quit smoking. About the I, I forgot what age he was, probably so it was in the mid nineties. He was probably about my age, you know, early forties when he quit. But he didn't have lung cancer, but he had a lung condition and a heart condition. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first three years as he was dying, you know, he was living the life the best he could, but he had the oxygen tank and he was exhausted and he was limited. But his his last year especially was horrible to watch because he was a prisoner to the to the chair. He couldn't breathe. He was in pain. And if he wasn't locked in the house, he was locked in a hospital. And he he had his mental faculties about him, knowing he's the end is coming, but mm. not knowing when it's coming. Oh, that's awful. And that whole fucking psychological horror of that. And then watching the fact that, you know, like, man, I can... I can leave here and I can go walk down the block. I might be fat and winded, but I can still get mm-hmm. up and walk down mm-hmm. the block. My can't my dad can't walk three feet. God damn you know? just emphysema type shit going on. 
Yeah, so I'm also looking at it. It's like, I kind of always... Yeah, he better not... Dad. Oh, he's gone, he said now, right? Yeah, he's It's like, uh, keep August. COVID away from him, but fuck. It wasn't COVID-related, was it? No, no. But the the thing is, he told me when he got... When he started hitting the peak of the worst part of it, he told me straight out, he goes, it didn't matter if I quit smoking or not. And he goes, he made a joke, and he said, don't even bother fucking quitting smoking, because... I like I like smoking, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been smoking since I was about ten or eleven years old, so the damage is done. But then I think he was being a little facetious because almost a month for his death, he told me he just looked at me and said, "Please quit smoking." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, he he was become fatalistic, probably. Yeah. That whatever phase of the the seven stages or whatever where you now you didn't quit denial, said, so to sort but of, now you're quitting. You're ready. It's yeah. a new year. Maybe that's part yeah. of it. No, I don't. I don't do that New Year bullshit. <laughs> shit so does not work. It's a fucking waste. I, don't, I I made a resolution many years ago to never again make a New Year's resolution. <laughs> yes, I'll uh, do that. No, he made one yesterday. The son of a bitch. He's gonna stop jerking off in church. I can't even keep. I can't even keep that resolution. That's a hard one to keep, man. It is, man. I mean, Especially when the priest keeps jerking you off. Yeah. <laughs> do I get blamed for that? If it's not my hand. It was the hand of God.